0: who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine, here. Today, we are going to take a look at where we are as a social work community. We're taking a macro look at how are we doing as social workers? What is the salary looking like? What is the jobs looking like? How are our social work students doing? And how are new social workers doing in the field? The goal for this episode is really just to give you a broad look So, if there are areas that you are experiencing that you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm the only one having trouble finding a job or if I'm the only one unhappy with my salary, hopefully this will just let you know you're not alone. This is where we are right now because, in order for us to go forward, it's important for us to acknowledge where we've been and how we're currently doing and what needs to be improved going forward. And at the end, I'm going to just give you some tips and insights that I can see on how to really set yourself up for success in 2022 and going forward. So the information from this podcast is taken from two main sources. It's going to be one, the Council on Social Work Education or the CSWE. And if you're not familiar with who they are, if you are in any sort of social work program or you graduated from a social work program in the United States, chances are it was accredited by this organization. So they are the national association representing social work education in the United States. And every year, they come out with a survey that they have sent to the schools of social works around social works, <laughs> the school of social work places around the country, you get it. So anyone who has, you know, a BSW, an MSW, or a doctorate, or a PhD in social work, they will send these surveys out, they collaborate all of the information, and they release it in this nifty report every year. So this one is specifically the Spring 2021 CSWE Member Pulse Survey. So what I wanted to do here in talking about this is to just see, you know, where are our social work students at? Because our social work students are the future of our social work profession, right? So. It's important to understand kind of where they're coming from and what's going on there. So there are 266 institutions from the schools of social work from around the nation. And overall, enrollment is going up in social work programs. So it is a growing profession. Enrollment has actually increased more than 10% for all programs and 22% specifically for master's programs around the nation, that is a huge jump, y'all. So that is more growth than what the, so that's more growth in just the master's program or just the social work program than what most colleges have experienced in all of the university. So there is a high demand for people who want a social work degree and I get it social work degree has a lot of different areas that you can go into. And we'll talk more about that later. So over the past year, you know, most people have reported that applications have increased or remain the same for the social work programs. And, you know, they interviewed the programs about the programs as well. And they really struggled to find enough field placements for their students. Mostly due because one of the pandemic of the reshuffling of all of the the organizations and the agencies and some agencies not providing internships. So that part has been a struggle. If you have struggled to find a field placement, you are not alone. Also, over the past year, students have been really feeling the gravity of of COVID and of the pressure of grad school or getting your bachelor's, whatever program you're in, um, they, the staff reported that more students have been experiencing mental health challenges. Specifically, 63% reported that more students are experiencing mental health challenges and 54% of faculty felt that more students are experiencing mental health challenges, but not necessarily reporting them. So indicating that these students may be struggling, but not telling the professors that they are struggling, um, or being reluctant to seek out help, which is, it's, it's an alarming habit to start forming, because if you're not open to help while you're in college, um, what are the chances of you accepting help once you're out of college and in the workplace? And it just makes me worried for the rate of burnout. Um, and also additionally with that, the faculty reported that about 17% of the faculty surveyed reported that most of their students were not seeking any help for their mental health challenges. So my heart breaks for those 17% of schools and students who are not seeking any help. Cause it's hard, you know, this, there's a lot going on and a lot of times us as not just as social workers, but as human beings, right? As helping empathetic human beings, we find more joy and more passion in helping others overcome their challenges than helping ourselves. A lot of times we are more likely to help someone else with their mental health struggle, help them process their thoughts, help them with a, you know, a hug and a crying shoulder to lean on. But when it comes to our own coping and our own emotions, we may tend to hide it and want to be seen as the strong one or seen as, you know, the quote expert in things because, We feel like we went to school for this. We should be able to handle our own stuff, but that is not necessarily the case. It's normal to need other people. We are never meant to be working alone. We're not meant to be working in silos. We need those positive relationships. So so that's with the mental health. Next, and I know you're not gonna be surprised at this, but money is a challenge, with 56% more students are actually reporting financial well-being challenges, and 50, 50, or 55% of the staff is aware of more students who are experiencing financial challenges. No college has actually reported that less students are experiencing less challenges with money or mental wellness. So this is definitely a theme. If you are experiencing mental health, mental wellness challenges, money challenges, you are definitely not alone. I would say 99% of the people, you know, in social work are also experiencing those same things. That is the 99% that is not (laughs) an official statistic. I'm just saying that a lot of people, you know, have either been there or they understand. And unfortunately this does not stop at grad school. So there was a second um, study that came out. This one was actually from 2020 and it's called the Social Work Profession findings from three years of surveys with new social workers. And this goes more into depth about how, where social workers are working, how they're using their degrees, things like that. It was from the Fitzhugh Mullen Institute for Health Workforce Equity out of George Washington University. So both of the links for these surveys are in the show notes if you want to read them for yourself and go deeper. So according to this research of three years, these problems do not stop after graduation. And if anything, we start thinking about money a lot more because now we have student loan debt. Yay. Woo. <laughs> so, among the 2019 graduates, our mean educational debt was 66,000, and 49,000 of which was from their social work education. And Among that, nearly, let's see, where am I? I'm looking at my notes, sorry. (laughs) So nearly 90% of MSW graduates were women and more than 22% of new social workers were black or African-American and 14% were Hispanic or Latino. So social work is pretty white still, (laughs) it's pretty white. I do have a problem with the way they do these demographics in this study because they are basically giving you such limited selections to choose from. You're either black or African-American, white, Hispanic, or Latino, and that's it. And if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you probably know I'm mixed. So for me, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what box of checks. we did a podcast on, you know, being biracial and its implications. And anyways, it's a whole another podcast. So you can go back and, and listen to it, Chioma. So that's one of the problems I have with this. The survey is the, the lack of demographic representation, but that is neither here or there. It's still very valuable information. So Also, interestingly, is many new social workers are the first generation in their families to graduate college. So overall, more than 46% of the 2019 MS graduates were the first ones in their families to graduate college, especially true for Black and African Americans, about 57%. And my Latinas, Latinos, Hispanics, 73% we the first generation. So big shout outs to you because that is hard. There's a lot of special challenges that come with being the first generation in your family to so graduate college. If that is you, I see you and I give you a big round of applause. I celebrate you. So let's see, moving on. We're going to talk about a little bit more debt in regards to uh, ethnic demographics. So debt from social work education was actually highest for uh, Black and African Americans um, uh, with a mean debt of 66000 And this is, um, unfortunately, this is much higher than the mean debts for white students, which was only 45000 And for Hispanics compared with non-Hispanics, It's 53,000 versus 48,000 in your debt. So if you are white, it doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you don't have debt. It's just saying that if you are black and African-American or, or Hispanic, um, the research is showing that you are likely to have a higher debt load than your white peers. So the, this kind of blew my mind, the mean total debt for all education. So this is taking into consideration your undergraduate education too with your master's. If you're in a doctorate program, it counts that as well. So 92,000 for black and African-Americans and 79,000 for Hispanics. That's wild. That is wild because the starting salary for MSW is 47,000 across the United States. So that is double or more than double what you're going to expect to make in your first year. That's a lot of debt Um, and that's tough. That adds an extra strain of stress for you and it really puts you at a disadvantage if you're trying to, especially if you're trying to buy a house, they're gonna look at your student loans and what your responsibilities are for paying those back when calculating your mortgage. So um, really be aware of how much debt you're, you're taking out and what's gonna be a reasonable payment for you once you graduate. Uh, more than four out of five respondents who are working in social work or a social work-related position uh, were in di- direct or clinical work with families, and this is about 82% of people. And sadly, this makes my heart hurt, only 7.5% were in macro social work, which was really unfortunate, but also, too, within the survey, it talks about how macro social work jobs are just really hard to find. There's just not a whole lot out there. And most of the jobs available are going to be case management jobs, um, working directly with with the clients that way. Um, and if you are a new MSW, you can expect to be serving some high need populations, um, regardless of the overall focus or the setting of, of your practice. Because nearly 80% of new MSW graduates, they intend to become licensed clinical social workers in the next five years. So having this clinical setting really works for, you know, about 80% of the MSWs, and that means that, you know, less are even considering going into macro social work, and I, I think macro gets kind of a bad, well, uh, there it's misunderstood, because a lot of times people, when they're going through their clinical program, which most or a lot of programs are clinical-based, because 80% of you all <laughs> want to become license or stay clinical, um, macro kind of gets left to the wayside and we don't fully understand what it is. It's, you know, serving in leadership type of positions. It's even looking at different systems. It's working within systems within administration to really, really impact some large scale community style changes. For example, I had some macro social work positions uh, when I was working with the California senior legislator, doing research and drafting legislation, also working in a senior community. So I was a, what they called a senior services coordinator. Uh, So I had to know the community, know the demographics, know the neighborhoods. And at the same time, I was also working one-on-one with the seniors in doing counseling or crisis interventions, things like that, while at the same time doing advocacy with the local government about the needs of the seniors and how to make it more age-friendly community. So there was a lot of different macro work within that job. And I always like to think of, of social work on a spectrum. So there's not really any one particular micro job. It's impossible to be a micro. micro social worker without also acknowledging and doing work on the macro side because macro is really dictating everything that you do. The laws that govern you, the resources available to your clients, the salary that you're making. So all of these are macro systems that are impacting you on the micro scale and impacting your clients on the micro scale. So it's really important to understand that connection that we are integrated and we're, we can never just operate in our micro silo because we're always being impacted by macro laws. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so with that, there's a lot of statistics that I just kind of spewed out to you. <laughs> I hope that you got it all um, but at the end of the day what I'm seeing here with the trends is that one for sure we're struggling financially um, We we are the salaries are not high enough especially given that we mostly work with really high risk and high need clients. Additionally the money is there okay so in this, survey, it said that men actually reported a mean income, reported a mean income on average of 2,900 more than women. So the money is there. What you need to do is start asking for it and showing your value. So ask for that raise. Um, When you're getting offered a job, negotiate whatever they send you literally, whatever they send you, negotiate back and see what they say. Because chances are, if they're making an offer for you for the job, they want you. And they want to know how they can get you on their team because of your personality, your skill set, the um, the ad that you bring to the organization. So counter back something, find something to counter back with whether it's asking for another 2,900 per year, or clinical supervision to be covered, or a gas card, I don't know. There are ways to negotiate better. Um, Ask for the raise. You can even start wherever you are right now, whether you're a student or professional, start creating an online presence. Because we, if you haven't heard, we're in the age of technology. (laughs) And it is important to have an online presence. Uh, Trust me, HR directors are searching your LinkedIn. They want to know what they can find on you. And by having a LinkedIn profile and by showing a little bit of your personality, it helps to show that you are a normal person with a skill set that they need. And if there is a specific industry that you really want to get hired in, make sure to tailor your online presence to that particular industry. Highlight any kind of volunteer work, highlight any kind of articles you might have written. You can even write an article on LinkedIn and become a published author. I don't know how much that counts, but I thought that was pretty cool that you could write your own article and just put a headline photo on there and that can even create an online presence and it doesn't even have to be anything wild. It could just be, something that you already know, maybe a presentation that you did in your school, just write a little summary about it and create an article. That can go a long way in establishing your online presence because ultimately you want to figure out ways that you can stand out from the crowd. So if there are 80% of MSW graduates who are looking to get licensed, looking at clinical, looking to get and snag those limited jobs, then you need to find ways to make yourself stand out from the crowd. Okay. It's going to help you land the job and help you get a better salary. So online presence, um, network with your ideal workplaces or the people who are doing the work that you want to do, reach out to them, say, Hey, I absolutely love the idea of being, and you know, whatever it is that they do, um, how do you like your, your job? How do you like your workplace? Would, would it be okay if I asked you a couple questions? And I know that you have probably already interviewed a social worker that you were forced to interview because <laughs> that's part of a lot of people's um, program requirements is to interview people. So reach out to them, say, hey, do you have 15, 20 minutes that I can ask you a couple questions? And within that, you can let them know You know, I'm really interested in doing the type of work that you do. Let me know if you hear of any openings. Do you have any tips or suggestions on experience I should get before I start applying? You may even learn that you probably already qualify for that type of job. You just need to tailor your resume a little bit more to highlight the experience that you already have. Lastly, you might need to pay to play. Meaning, you may need to invest more into yourself to stand out from the crowd. Maybe a special certificate or an online course or um, some sort of networking club to get you in the room with those types of people. Not necessarily. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm saying be open to it, okay? If there comes an opportunity where it's like, oh, it costs a little bit of money to to go to this networking event, figure out, is it going to be worth it if you are able to connect with three people who could hire you for your ideal job? If that is, I mean, it could be worth it. If it's not gonna get you into the space that you really need to be in, then don't do it. If it's going to make you stand out from the crowd with a special certification, you know, look into it. So I'm just saying, be open to additional trainings. I know you have spent a lot of money on your master's degree, but so did everyone else. We're looking at ways that we can stand out from the crowd. And really, I mean, more research is needed because I was really kind of disappointed that the studies really aren't looking too closely at how well social workers are actually coping. So we know That burnout is rampant. We don't need a study to tell us this. However, we do need studies that study it, tell us what is going on, what are the causes, what is the burnout rate, so that then we can get more funding. Because unfortunately, until there's studies being published, attention is not, not given to these areas. It's not taken seriously. And I don't know why. I don't know why this is not being explored more you know, we're looking at the finances and uh, the student loan debt. I mean, what that that is that all sounds super stressful to me. How can we not be looking at how we're coping? So I'd love to see more research on that, and also a wider range for demographics. I mean, limiting someone's selection to black, white, other, Hispanic or non-Hispanic. I mean, that just Seems so, just, it's so not inclusive. Um, and lastly, I would love to see entrepreneurship among social workers encouraged at all. It is completely left out of the conversation. If you look at the different areas of work that you see people going into in these studies, they'll list, you know, government, nonprofit, education, inpatient medical setting. However, they don't mention Starting your own business, starting your own nonprofit, starting your own LLC, I would love to see entrepreneurship be discussed because we are the ones who see the gaps in the systems. We are the ones who have to tell our clients, I'm sorry, this resource just doesn't exist. I can't help you. There's nothing more that I can do. We're the ones that have to tell that to people every single day. And When we see a problem, there is always an opportunity. There's always a solution. So even though there are a lot of things that we need to fix, and these studies show a lot of areas that are not perfect, but no industry is perfect, right? We have to see where we are and see where we can go with this. So if you are seeing that there's problems and you're tempted to want to complain about it, but you're not taking a step further and thinking about solutions, ways that we can realistically fix these problems, then I don't even know that we can have a conversation together because I can't conversate with people who are just complaining about everything that's wrong, but are doing nothing to fix it. So if you see a problem that's wrong, if, if you have been thinking in your head, oh my gosh, this is so messed up. Somebody should be doing something about this. That somebody is probably looking at you in the mirror. So when it is on your mind, when you are the one who is most passionate about that particular topic or that population or this particular area really ticks you off and you've noticed it ticks you off more than most people, (laughs) that is what you are most passionate about and that may be your area. Even if there are already resources in place to help people, chances are you can find a new way or an area that they're missing a gap that needs to be filled. So think about what that gap might be and how you can fill it, how you can start serving. Okay. Impact and income are not mutually exclusive. You can have impact, help people, serve people, create those relationships while also making an income. It is not unethical, okay? I feel like any time a social worker talks about starting a business and making a life for themselves, social workers jump out of the bushes and like, ah, that's unethical, you can't make money and help people. That is wild, okay? Because, I mean, I can think of plenty of services that help me and I gladly pay them money. For example, Amazon, you know, come at me if you will, but I mean, when I'm in a bind and I know that I cannot get to the store, I will pay Amazon my money. i be like, thank you for please helping me. <laughs> and there's plenty of other services that help us like the internet, your cell phone. Um, there's so many things, right? That we pay money because they help us to do that. So you can be that person that is helping people and is also making a life for yourself. That is it. That is my rant for today. I am so, so thankful that you are here with me. We are just getting started, my friends. So Social Workers Rise has a lot of amazing things planned for 2022. I am so grateful that you are here. Definitely connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Social Workers Rise. You can find me on LinkedIn. Of course, you know I have my online presence. (laughs) You can find me at LinkedIn. If you are in need of a clinical supervisor, check out the RISE directory. It is growing, it is expanding. If you are a clinical supervisor yourself, check it out. Also, you can uh, email me if you're interested in providing a training for clinical supervisors within the RISE directory, let me know. We would love to have you. So with that, I wish you a happy and blessed day. New year, a happy 2022, and I'm excited to see where this takes us. Until next week, my friend, bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You'll have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, Just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.